Welcome into Locked On Blackhawks. Today is Tuesday, July 21st, 2020. I am your host, Jack Bushman, tuning in for the 173rd episode of Locked On Blackhawks. As always, be sure to subscribe to the podcast for free wherever you may listen to your podcast, whether that be through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. You'll be able to get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each day, so make sure to go do that. Also, please go follow our Twitter page, which can be found at capital L, capital O, underscore Blackhawks, with some really good stuff being posted there every day. By the way, today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Make sure to check it out and tell them the Lockdown Podcast Network sent you. Alright, to kick off today's episode, I want to talk about the biggest news coming from Blackhawks training camp the last two days, which was Captain Jonathan Taze exiting midway through Monday's practice for an unknown reason. The Blackhawks were also, once again without defensemen Calvin DeHaan and Connor Murphy, as well as goaltender Corey Crawford on Monday, so... Taze leaving practice early was not what us Hawks fans wanted to see. So, before Taze left on practice, we saw the team roll with their normal forward lines yet again. And then on defense, we saw the expected pairings without Dahan and Murphy with Keith and Boquist together. Mata and Cuckoo paired up as expected. And quick funny story I wanted to mention was that those two have apparently been spending some time together off the ice as Cuckoo talked to the media over the weekend saying that they have been playing tennis together and whatnot and just hanging out, which for some reason I just find hilarious because they were just such a random pairing that had success together this year. And now they're just chilling with each other. I don't know. Just kind of find that all a little bit funny. But yeah, as expected, they skated together on Monday, as did Lucas Carlson and Brent Seabrook, and then Nicholas Bodan and Nick Seeler skated together as the extra pairing at practice. After Monday's session, we did hear Coach Jeremy Colleton say that Taze exited practice early simply for rest purposes and that they want to keep him fresh moving forward, so... We were able to give a great sigh of relief after hearing that news, as the last thing we need right now is to lose our veteran leader after already being a shorthanded as is. Now, the odd part of all of this, though, is that Taze was not out on the ice with the team for Tuesday's scrimmage, which seems a little weird for a guy like Taze to miss a second consecutive segment because of rest. He's just not a guy you think that would need it after a handful of months away from the ice. So, definitely a situation to keep an eye on as the week goes on. But on a positive note, Connor Murphy did hit the ice to skate by himself before Tuesday's session. So, it looks like he is trending in the right direction for a return sometime soon. And also, Calvin DeHaan was seen skating by himself on the team's second practice rink at Fifth Third Arena while the scrimmage was taking place. So... Another great sign there for the Blackhawks with their play-in series versus Edmonton starting in just nine days. That is quietly sneaking up on us here, guys. Goaltender Corey Crawford was still unfit to participate on Tuesday, unfortunately. But an interesting storyline surrounding these players not uh, not practicing with the Hawks that I wanted to mention here is that the NHL released a statement yesterday saying that only... Two players tested positive for COVID-19 through the first five days of training camp uh, being opened last week. After conducting over 
2,600 tests to over 800 players. First off, that is a great sign for the NHL and their return to play plan as it certainly looks like their safety policies are in fact working with only two positive tests from around the league. And second, that makes me wonder why Corey Crawford, Calvin DeHaan, and Connor Murphy have been missing these practices as it is pretty unlikely that they are one of the two players in the entire NHL to test positive. Not saying that it didn't happen, but it certainly is unlikely. So maybe Crawford was just being precautionary with his second child being born back in April, and who knows what's going on with Murphy and DeHaan, but definitely a bit of good news there from the NHL, as it looks like this whole 2014 postseason will take place starting on August 1st. Now, back to the Blackhawks scrimmage on Tuesday, where they played two 15-minute periods. We saw Team Black put up a 3-0 lead early on, thanks to goals from Ryan Carpenter, Alex Nylander, and Adam Boquist. And then Team Red answered before the period was over, thanks to Dominic Kubalik, to make it 3-1 heading into the intermission. I want to quickly talk about uh, the noticeable progression that we've seen lately from Alex Nylander as he's been really good on that second line with Dylan Strome and Patrick Kane since the Blackhawks returned to the ice last Monday. We saw Nylander score a beautiful goal in the scrimmage after a nice setup from Kaner, and although this is just a team scrimmage where there isn't any checking going on or anything too serious, it is still great to see Nylander make noticeable strides in his game since the COVID-19 outbreak a few months ago because he was really struggling with consistency throughout the regular season. If the Hawks can get Nylander going at all in a top six role, that is a huge addition to their depth scoring as the team saw a huge drop-off in that department this year, largely in part to the struggles from both Alex DeBrinkett and Dylan Strome. So hopefully Nylander can continue to trend in the right direction as the Hawks prepare for Game 1 of their best-of-five series versus the Edmonton Oilers. The rest of the Blackhawks scrimmage mostly involved the two teams working on some special teams play, with the Hawks rolling with a top power play unit of Kane, Doc, Kubelik, Keith, and Dylan Sakira, surprisingly, although that is where Taze likely would have been had he practiced this afternoon. But it looks like those five guys with Taze in the mix, not Sakira, is what the Blackhawks are going to roll with as their top power play unit, with the second unit that practiced together consisting of Brandon Saad, Alex DeBrinkett, Dylan Strome, Alex Nylander, and Adam Boquist. I did want to quickly mention that Dylan Secura actually recorded a hat trick during Tuesday's scrimmage, which I wouldn't look into too much because he never can seem to make it happen when it really counts. But still, nice to see Secura have a strong showing in practice this afternoon, and after recording the hat trick, we saw Alex Dabrinkit give him a big old bear hug, as you know, you have to feel good for Secura as... It's really been a struggle for him adapting to the NHL level after we've seen him light it up in the AHL, and we know what he did uh, with Northeastern during his college hockey years, but he just has not been able to do it at the NHL yet, and it's been you know it's been tough on uh, a young kid like Sakura. So any any uh any little boost of confidence he'll take. So good to see Dylan Sakura have a strong showing and practice this afternoon. Alright, I think that takes care of all the Blackhawks news out of training camp from the last few days. 
Now it's time for our weekly mailbag segment, which usually takes place on Monday, but I was unable to get an episode out yesterday, unfortunately, but I do still want to answer a couple of really solid questions that I was asked over the weekend. So here we are with Mailbag Tuesday for the first time on the Locked On Blackhawks podcast. But first, I need to talk about rockauto.com, the best place to shop for all your auto and body needs. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, Visit rockauto.com and tell them the Lockdown Podcast Network sent you. That's rockauto.com for an amazing selection and reliably low prices. Listen, we've all had our share of car problems in the past. How much easier is it when you have an auto and body shop that you can rely on? Well, rockauto.com has your back for all the car parts you will ever need in any situation. One more time. Check out rockauto.com for reliably low prices and an amazing selection, and make sure to let them know the Lockdown Podcast Network sent you. rockauto.com, an auto and body shop that you can trust for reliably low prices. Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for listening today. I am your host, Jack Bushman. Be sure to check out my personal Twitter page at JackBushman2 and my Blackhawks Twitter page at TalkinHockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. Also, be sure to subscribe and follow Lockdown Blackhawks for free wherever you listen to your podcast and also on Twitter get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each day. All right, we just finished talking about all of the latest news out of Blackhawks training camp from the last couple of days. Now it's time to move on to our Mailbag Tuesday segment, where I select a couple of questions from the fans to answer right here on the podcast. So the first question I want to answer comes from consistent listener Bob Bednars, who asked, why isn't Kubalik on the first two lines? I know it's early and lines will change as they haven't played a game yet, but I keep trying to wrap my head around why Kubalik is not on the first two lines. Well, Bob, that's a question that's actually been on my mind lately as well. Uh, ever since the Blackhawks have hit the ice uh, with training camp reopening on Monday, we've seen Kubalik mostly skate on the Blackhawks' third line with Kirby Doc and Drake Kajula rather than skating on the top line with Jonathan Taze where the two found tremendous chemistry in the second half of the season together. Kubalik went on that like 10-game stretch where he had like 11 goals or something like that and like a 7-game goal streak. So he was really playing well with Jonathan Taze on that top line. And I think it's also worth mentioning that Kubalik had one of the highest goals per 60 minutes averages in the entire NHL with guys like David Pasternak, Alex Ovechkin, Austin Matthews, Mika Zibanejad, some of the elite goal scorers in the NHL, and Dominic Kubalik as a rookie was right up there with them. So for him not to be put on the Blackhawks' top line as with uh, Blackhawks' training camp opening and the best-of-five playing series against Edmonton coming up in just nine days, that left me really scratching my head because... The Blackhawks, as a whole, really struggled in the depth scoring department this year. Like, we saw 
Patrick, you know, it's always the Patrick Kane show with the Blackhawks. He was the one to kind of carry that offense throughout the regular season. We really saw the Hawks struggle in that depth scoring department because Alex DeBrinkett and Dylan Strome both took a significant step back this year, unfortunately. But Kubalik was one of the few bright spots that shined while those guys were struggling. So for me to see Kubalik on the third line with Doc and Kajula, I kind of understand where Colleton is going. I'm sure he just wants to have an evenly distributed amount of scoring throughout his forward group. But to me, it just doesn't make sense to put him anywhere else besides on the top line next to Johnny. I also want to mention that Kubalik also had one of the highest shooting percentages in the entire league. So you want a guy like that to be on the ice as much as possible. He also scored 26 of his 30 goals this season while at even strength. So add all of that stuff up, and I just don't understand how you don't want Kubalik on the ice as much as possible with your best offensive players. As you said, Bob, there haven't been any games played yet, and this is all happening at practice, but the Hawks have rolled with this these same forward lines basically every day so far. So if I had to guess, those would be the groupings that Carlton goes with for Game 1 versus Edmonton come August 1st. I do like that we are seeing Kubelik on the Hawks' top power play unit at the moment, as in the last few weeks before the COVID-19 outbreak, he was finally starting to get some time on the man advantage, and he was making the most of his opportunity with a couple of beautiful one-timer goals from the left side, which I feel like the Blackhawks, they haven't had that option over there in forever. Kaner does so many amazing things for the Blackhawks, but he's never been much of a one-time threat over there on the power play. And putting Kubelik at the right dot where Kane usually is, and moving Kane over to the left circle in replace of Debrinkit, that has given the team another option on what used to be a dormant power play through the first four months or whatever through the season. So that's good to see. Uh, I like that Jeremy Calton is at least giving Kubelik a look on the top power play unit. And also, I am fairly positive that the Hawks at some point throughout their postseason, uh, we'll have a moment where nothing is going on offensively and Colleton will be forced to switch up their lines. So at some point, I'm sure that Kubelik will get a look with the top line. But at the moment, it sure looks like he'll be skating with Kirby Doc and Drake Kajula for at least the beginning of the playing series versus the Edmonton Oilers. All right, Bob, thank you for taking the time to email in your question over the weekend. I hope you got the answer you were looking for. The second question I want to answer right here live on the podcast comes from Josh Martinez, who also emailed in his question, which was, which Blackhawks players from the taxi squad do you expect to be cut from the final postseason roster? So I wanted to answer this question because I feel like not everyone is aware that the Blackhawks do have to make some final cuts to their postseason roster before they travel to their hub city of Edmonton on July 26th which is Sunday, actually, and we heard after practice this afternoon, General Manager Stan Bowman say that they will wait until Sunday before they make those decisions. But uh, my guess is that when they do have to cut down their current playoff roster of 30 players and five goaltenders to 28 skaters with only three goaltenders, they will cut forward Reese Johnson as he hasn't seen much action during these practices with the main group at all. And then I think the team will either cut Mackenzie Entwistle 
or if they want to cut a defenseman because they already have 12 on the roster at the moment, then they will more than likely choose to cut Chad Chris, as he's probably the furthest away from being NHL-ready of the group, other than maybe Alec Regula. As for the goaltenders, we still don't know what is going on with Corey Crawford, but to me, it's hard to see him being left off the final postseason roster, so I'd have to guess that they would go with Crow, Malcolm Subban, and Colin Delia on the final roster, which would leave Kevin Lankinen and Matt Tompkins, unfortunately, off of it. Of course, we still have to wait and see what comes with uh, the updates that come with Corey Crawford, Jonathan Taze, and whatever does occur in these last couple of days before the team does travel to Edmonton. So a couple of these guys could still make it if something significantly changes. All right, Josh, I hope that answers your question there. Thank you again for taking the time to email in the Locked On Blackhawks podcast. All right, I think that wraps up our weekly mailbag fan segment, and look for that to return on Monday with five episodes coming out next week. Now it's time to move on to our new daily segment here on the podcast, which is regular season recap, where I give a brief recap of one of the Blackhawks players' 2019-20 regular seasons, just as a bit of a refresher on how they did this year before the best-of-five playing series against the Edmonton Oilers. I am Jack Bushman, your host of the Locked On Blackhawks podcast. You can reach me on Twitter at JackBushman2 or at TalkinHockey, or you can also email the Locked On Blackhawks email, which is LockedOnBlackhawks at gmail.com for any questions you have about the show, myself, or anything that has to do with the NHL's 2014 postseason that's set to take place in a little over a week. Okay, so we just finished up Mailbag Tuesday, where I answer, answer a couple of questions from the fans. Now it's time for our daily regular season recap segment, with today's feature being Blackhawks fourth-line center, David Kampf. So, after the Blackhawks decided not to bring back Marcus Kruger following the conclusion of last season, David Kampf then slid in as the Blackhawks fourth-line center for the 2019-20 season, playing in all 70 games for the Hawks, recording 8 goals and 8 assists for 16 points, along with a minus 11 plus minus, which you kind of expect on a poor defensive team, given that Kampf tends to play against the opposing team's top offensive players. So not surprising to see him in the minus department for the third consecutive year in his NHL career. But he was a little bit better offensively this season than he has been in the past with eight goals this year. Uh, his previous career high had only been four. He had four in each of his last two seasons. But we did see his assist numbers take a little bit of a dip this year. He had uh, 15 assists in 63 games last season, although the Blackhawks' offense was much better last year. We did see his uh, assist numbers fall down to only 8 this year. Overall, we saw Kampf average 13 minutes and 40 seconds of time on ice, which was 15 seconds less than what he averaged last year. But most notably, we saw his face-off win percentage take a huge spike back up over the 50% mark as he was at 52.3% this year after really struggling at the dot for the Blackhawks last year, winning just 45.3% of his face-offs. The Blackhawks 
a huge part of their struggles the last couple of seasons have been that they haven't been able to get the puck enough. They've been defending too much, and they're not a strong defensive team, so that's a recipe for disaster for them. And when you struggle to get the puck, a lot of that probably is because you're not winning a lot of your face-offs. And the Blackhawks, we had a really, really hard time in that department last year, other than Jonathan Taze. We saw Artem Anisimov put up horrible face-off numbers. As I just said, David Kampf was at 45.3%. And then Marcus Kruger was also not as good as he had been in the past for the Blackhawks, which also played into the team's decision to let him go in the offseason. So it was really good to see Kampf jump up 7% in his face-off win percentage this season. And actually, for a stretch there, I want to say... In January and February, he was winning like nearly 60% of his faceoffs. He was one of like the top five faceoff guys in the league. So we know what David Kampf can do at the faceoff dot. And if he can continue to do that as well as kill penalties successfully, as we saw the Blackhawks penalty kill be much better this season than they were last year, then David Kampf is doing his job at his best. We, that's really all we can ask from him. We, we know what the Blackhawks like to do as a team. They like to have a fourth-line shutdown center. And David Kampf, if you're winning faceoffs and you're killing penalties, buddy, I'm rooting for you. You're my guy. Uh, Marcus Kruger was not the player he once was clearly for the Blackhawks last year. So I think it was wise for the team to let him go and give Kampf an opportunity to kind of fill into that role and see what he's made of as uh, he's only 25 years old. So... Still uh, a lot of room for him to grow in both the face-off department and defensively and on the penalty kill. Taking a look at Camp's possession numbers here, and they were a bit lower than they have been in the past as his Corsi 4 percentage this season was 47.9%, and it was 48.6% last season, and the year before it was 51.6%. And he was also on the, on the ice for 22 goals for to 33 against at even strength, although he's never been on the right side of that in his career. But that's probably because he tends to start in the defensive zone very often for the Blackhawks. This season he started 62% of the faceoffs in the defensive zone for the Hawks at even strength, and then his career average is 60.2%, so that's about what you would expect it to be. So while they were a little bit lower than you'd probably like to see, that's kind of what you expect out of Kampf in a defensive role for the Blackhawks, as I said he is more than uh, more than often he is lined up against the opposing team's top offensive line. So those things tend to happen. He's probably never really going to be on the ice for more goals for rather than more goals against until the Blackhawks are a really good team once again and are very good offensively. So at, when I see these numbers from Camp possession wise. Uh, I'm not too upset, even though they mostly are career lows, because the Blackhawks were a poor defensive team this season, and they also allowed the most shots on goal per game of any NHL team with over 35 shots on goal allowed per game. Just horrendous. So, all in all, David Kampf was winning his faceoffs, and he played a key part in the Blackhawks' success on the penalty kill this season as they jumped back up in the top 10 in the NHL in that department. So, for me... It's hard to say that David Kampf had anything but a strong season this year. If he continues to do those two things for the Blackhawks in the best-of-five playing series against the Edmonton Oilers, then they have a significantly higher chance of pulling off an upset because the Oilers have the best 
power play in the NHL this season. At They were going off this year as they converted on 29.5% of their man advantages. So if the Blackhawks want any chance of advancing throughout the postseason and defeating Edmonton, then David Camp is going to have to win faceoffs and be terrific on the Blackhawks' penalty kill against Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl and company. All right, so I think that is going to wrap up Blackhawks forward David Camp's regular season recap and also a Tuesday, July 21st episode of Lockdown Blackhawks. Thank you again for tuning into the show, and as always, make sure to give the Lockdown Blackhawks Twitter page a follow at capital L, capital O, underscore Blackhawks. Also, be sure to subscribe and follow the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast for free right now on your favorite podcast app, and you'll get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each day. And after the show, ask your smart device to play the Lockdown NHL podcast for all the latest news about the return of hockey on August 1st. Thank you again for tuning into today's episode. I am your host, Jack Bushman. You can catch me on Twitter at my personal account, at JackBushman2, or my Blackhawks account, at TalkinHockey. For any questions at all regarding anything related to the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, you can always email LockdownBlackhawks at gmail.com or call 708-653-0572 to leave a voicemail. So until tomorrow, I hope you enjoy the rest of your day, and thanks again for listening.